from runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 838, Microsoft Loop with guest Stephen Rose, recorded Friday, June 3rd, 2022. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Hi, this is Richard Campbell. Thanks for listening to Run As Radio. Bringing back a veteran today, Stephen Rose is a 14-year veteran at Microsoft who's led IT Pro product marketing for a wide variety of products at Microsoft, including Microsoft 365, Windows, Surface, Office, and OneDrive. And now he leads the IT Pro technical readiness for Microsoft Teams and is the host of the Inside Microsoft Teams podcast. Now we're doing its sixth season, and Stephen holds over 20 technical certifications and has been certified since Windows NT4, and sadly still remembers what an IRQ is. It's also possible that Stephen may be the last living member of the Columbia House Record and Tape Club. Uh, back for his 19th run as radio episode wow yeah I, quite a few. I, I had to count them up it's not the most but it's like in the top five i appreciate that yeah no it's uh you 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 started back in episode 17 before you were a microsoft employee um yeah as an mvp that's right yeah back in the day and then we i mean i you, all those products you mentioned like and 365 and Windows. We have chatted during all those, yeah. Every single one of them, absolutely. Yeah, we've done <laughs> them all. You, I mean, technical readiness for Teams, is that as much interior as exterior to Microsoft? It's both. I lead uh, a lot of our stuff on Docs, so how we, what content we build, how we talk about it, doing key things like redesigning that page so that people kind of go, oh, here's where I start, right. and making adoption the step before deployment. So a lot of things are along that line. Uh, I work very closely with the other folks on my team who manage third-party apps, security, and governance. Right. And then EBCs and all the external stuff that I do between my show and all the rest. So And working with our MVP and community and tech community. So yeah, a lot on the inside and the outside now. So it's great. I get to see both sides of the coin. Oh, for sure. And, and Teams to me is the first application in a long time that seems more sovereign to the typical information worker than Outlook in the sense that What's the first thing you open when you sit down at your desk? Yeah. Like, because for me, still to this day, it's Outlook. Like, Outlook is where I check my schedule and, you know, sort of get ready for my day. But, you know, your calendar is also sitting in Teams now, along with right. uh, many of the messages you're likely to have been sent while you were away from your desk. Well, what's interesting is, you know, for the first time ever in the history of, business, we have four generations of workers. Mm. We have, you know, 4% are baby boomers born with the 386 and the turbo button and the floppy drive and the pass-through IRQ of nine and all that good stuff. <laughs> and then we have, you know, Gen X, that's about 38%, right. first laptops, PCM, CIA card slot. But for those groups, everything is stored on the device. It was having a backup hard drive and all that other stuff. When we start to look at the workers that companies want to bring in, millennials and Gen Z. Right. Millennials at 40%, born in the cloud. All they need to work is a browser. 
that's it. Give them a browser. Or yeah, whether that's on a phone or, or a, a tablet or a, uh, a laptop, doesn't matter. It does not. And as we look at Gen Z, which is the other 18%, so now we're talking about 60% of your workforce, they don't see a difference between a phone and a laptop. It's just a way to get to your stuff and they can work more easily on it. What's interesting is when we talk to those groups about email, we say, how often do you check email? And they say about twice a day. Right. That's Chat is how they get work done. That's not where they look. Right? That's not where they look. So- I, I've also found it's also they do not think about files. Like no. files are a Gen X thinking model, right? Because we mm-hmm. worked with, and I'm saying we, because you and I fall in that category. Oh yeah, because we worked, we worked on on removable media, right? On floppy mm-hmm. disks, where the file was yes. on the disk, not just yes. was somewhere. No, no, absolutely. And they really see email as, and this was one of the greatest comments ever. Somebody said, "Email's how you tell me that there's donuts in the break room, but it's not how I get work done." And I thought, what a Brilliant statement, but you know, <laughs> I, I get I get CISOs and folks who go, "When is Outlook going to be integrated into into Teams?" And my answer to them is, "I know this is going to sound rude and snotty, but my my response to that is, if that's what you're waiting for, then you're not using either tool correctly." Nice. And they look at me like, "Excuse me," and I'm like, "Look, email should be something that affects everybody in the company." Right. We're doing this. We're doing a summer thing. Here's what's new promotions. It affects everybody. Any conversations around a project or that is to a specific group of people in an org should be done inside of teams. If somebody gets hit by a bus and comes in, is everything they need, every every document, every file, every conversation, every meeting recording is all in one place. It makes it very easy for them to get up to speed. Saying all the information is across 10 different areas is not a good way to get somebody up to speed and bring them there. So they're going to serve different. And the newer generations want to chat. They don't want to do email. They want to say, hi, I have a question. Great. Let's answer your question. If we need to bring someone else in, let's do that. Problem solved. Move on. Yeah. I I think there's a formality to email that the younger generations also look at it as like, this is inevitably bad news. Yes. Right. Like they, they, they're donuts in the break room. I still think I'd put that on chat. Because it's immediate and it, and it has the most eyeballs. The longer they sit there, the worse they get. But it the the sit back, read carefully, and contemplate like that. That's what email ends up being. So it's right. briefings and and often you know bad news. Yes, exactly. And it's hey, I'm working on this. I need help with this. Where can I find this resource? You know, it's managers and 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 C-level execs are saying, we're getting frustrated because we send that out, then we get an answer back a day later. Then we respond and it takes us four or five days to get something done. I'm like, yes, because if you did it in chat, all the answers would be there. They do it and then you'd move on to the next thing. That's how folks work now. And it's that's the hardest part about getting people to really collaborate in teams, not just move from Skype for business to teams and do chat and calling, but actually collaborate is it has to start at the top and they have to engage in that way. And that's really one of the biggest differences. I mean, don't chat in email is the message, right? Like it's just weird to chat in email. Yeah. It's strange. It's like going, Hey, how are you? And then two hours later you go, I'm good. How are you? (laughs) It's just an odd way to have a conversation and it's exhausting and you're not going to get to your point very quickly as opposed to, hi, we are changing this or here's the status of all the projects we're working on, which makes sense to do that because it's a one and done. You read it. If you need to respond, you do, but you move on and everything's related to that. So it's very different. You also, the way that you communicate in chat typically is not, uh, um, 
is not blocking. It's I'm going to be doing this unless someone, unless there's a reason for me not to. Right. I'm moving ahead with. Yes. As opposed to very often reporting, we've done this and here's the outcome or here is the big picture and what we're going to do. And you'll each deal with this at your own individual level. So I think once you start to separate, they'll see that we've seen declines in email and certainly dramatic increases in chat and things that would have been email. But, uh, you know, people still using it as that main form. It's still very segregated. And I think that's the area that we're going to have to pull the folks on the far left over to the right to really see true collaboration every level happen. But that's where cool features like, you know, loop and things like that come in that's starting to hybridize this and start to change some of this. Now, I've never had loop on the show. Okay. And and when I look at it, my first instinct is, is this SharePoint? It's not. Because it does look like a collab tool, right? Like it's... It is kind of a collab tool. But here's what's cool about Loop. So what's great is folks um, should all now pretty much have Loop inside of Teams. When you go to a uh, to a Teams chat at the bottom, you'll see a little icon that looks like Clippy. And just to the right of it is this weird sort of circle zero icon. And when you click it, that's Loop. And Loop basically says, what do you want to do? Is this a task list, an agenda? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you pick what you want, spreadsheet. And then what you will do with any of the folks who are involved in that conversation is you will make lists in real time as well as assigning tasks to people, actions, et cetera. But here's where Loop gets interesting. You can take that agenda and copy it and drag it and drop it into Outlook. And then anybody who is part of that chat is automatically part of that Outlook email. And if we add other people, they become part of the chat. So as soon as I send that, anything that anybody types or adds or changes in the email gets automatically updated in the Loop Teams message. Anything that anybody updates in the Loop's team message goes to Outlook. And we'll extend that into Word and PowerPoint and Excel and into Loop Pages. So unlike working on a document, which is real-time collab and people can do that, right. this is the next level. This is always live, one truth, no matter where it lives, you are always looking at the same info and it is always up to date. How great if you're sending out monthly sales targets, which you've discussed in Teams, you've dropped into an Excel spreadsheet and then put into an email as soon as one of those changes, no matter where somebody goes to go look for that information, it is right there and it's up to date. And as we expand that into things like whiteboards, these are whiteboards that are always being updated and that you can see exactly who's working on it. There is no history. We can't go backwards and undo and change things like we would in a Word doc, right. but we can see all of that. And that's what Loop does. It's the fluid framework bringing these active elements that you can drop into non-active areas. So, and And I've run into this with collaboration tools in general where... This person's good at working in Excel, but Excel doesn't work well in whatever collaboration tool that is. So you end right. up with this sort of static document impairing the collaboration part. It's like, hey, could we move this over to a different medium? And that seems counterproductive. Like, I want to work right. in the mediums I want to work in, but then also, you know, have the collaboration be consistent. Yeah. So now whenever I'm something gets updated and I update my loop element inside of an Excel inside of Excel spreadsheet or in, maybe inside of a Word doc is that Excel loop element. As soon as that gets updated, every other location is now automatically updated. Right. So if I go to my email and open it, 
I see all the latest figures. So it's all real time. It's all interconnected and it's all happening like that. And that's what makes it great is no matter how somebody likes to work, they're always going to see that. I think it's one of those things that's going to make it much easier for people that are, you know, doing agendas or to-do lists or spreadsheets and things like that, that want to have that that single truth and want to allow everybody to collaborate. This is going to make it much easier for folks to do and not have to worry about where was this. It's now anywhere where you want to be. Yeah, because I've seen OneNote used that way, mm-hmm. where people collaborating over a OneNote document and be able to bring elements in. But this looks a little more abstracted than that and yeah. deeply integrated in Teams. OneNote still ends up being a document type. Correct. Yep. And as we look now at the agenda feature in going that's coming into Teams where you can create an agenda or notes and agenda, mm-hmm. that's also part of that same fluid framework. So that will be there. That will show up in the team meeting. I can grab that, drop that into an email. And as we make changes week to week or as to-dos get done or the different tasks get done, as soon as I mark it as done, every surface where that was at is there. And then we will have loop pages which are whole pages, which can be dedicated to projects, which are filled with loop elements. So we can take that spreadsheet, that to-do, that agenda, all of those different things, have them on a single page. Folks can go to that. We can have that up during our meetings, make changes, update, great, who's going to own this now? Where is all that at? And that all changes and whatever those little pieces, what's great is we may have pieces that affect a variety of folks, but we've just sent those smaller pieces that affect those folks or that group to them we update the larger and in the aggregate, everybody's automatically updated. I appreciate this because it does give room for the Gen Xers and olders that are still working with the tools they're familiar with mm-hmm. to start working in this collaborative space and not have to abandon their existing tools. Right. Yeah. But have this live surface element. And again, I for salespeople who are slow, so to change to say, hi, here's the sales figures. And they save that email to their desktop every time they open it. That email always has the most recent current information, anything that has changed up to the second. Interesting. Unlike having to go through and refresh things and, hey, did you update this and start to look through or things are changed, you know that this is live. It's a single truth across multiple areas. And that's something that we've been missing in a lot of our office tools for a while. Uh, and I, I, like I said, I think it's going to be interesting to see how people leverage this and use this. Now, the technologist to me right away is saying, so there's some kind of thing embedded in that email that says, when this email opens, go check yeah. to see if what to refresh. Right. Yeah. It's it's part of the fluid framework. So you're basically taking one element in any place that you copy it, you're basically extending that element. It always looks back to... It looks at all versions and updates those changes instantaneously. So if I made a change in one place, it'll look at the timing for those and automatically do it. But if you and I were to type, we would see our chatting in real time. You would see my name next to what I'm typing and what everybody's doing. And like I said, we can also assign to-dos and action items through that as we're doing it inside of uh, apps that support that. So we'll continue to support that as it moves out. And it also seems to have all the modern iconography of being able to plus one thumbs up, like those kinds yep. of things, which I think folks often, older folks especially struggle with, like, this seems silly, but like, hey, you know what was silly? R- reply emails that said yes. Exactly. Or, or plus one. This is a much right. more efficient way to to agree or disagree or at least make you know comment on without cluttering things up. Right. And the great thing is, is let's say you're in Teams, it's just a Teams chat, not even inside of a team, but just a Teams chat. Mm-hmm. I can add additional people to that. They see the whole thing. Or if I email it and forward it to folks, if I've allowed that much like a file in OneDrive, 
all those folks are now added. So we can very easily add somebody by either saying go up to the top and add somebody to the conversation, add them like we would like a OneDrive file or email it to them. Now they're automatically added. So no matter how we choose to add folks, whether it's sort of an older, old-fashioned way, which is, oh, I'm just going to forward this email to four people that this is important to, or I add them like a what a a OneDrive document, it doesn't make a difference. It It still does that as long as the person who created it said, this is allowed to be shared with others or can do that. Now, right now, it only works inside the org or people who are members of in the tenant. org either through yeah team but it could be through teams connect azure b2b or a member of the tenant but they basically have to be in your gal if right. you go outside of your global access list uh, then you have trouble countless then it won't work correct it won't and that work. was going to be my next question but why don't we do this very important message first all right this episode of run as is brought to you by the azure data conference at the mgm grand hotel in las vegas december 4th to 9th You've heard the data Q&A shows published on RunAs twice a week from the conference. That is a microcosm of the six days of fantastic learning available to you from the real-world consultants and members of the Azure Data team that speak at the show. Learn proven problem-solving techniques and technologies you can implement immediately and gain insight into Microsoft's data strategies for the cloud and on-premises. Get answers to performance monitoring, troubleshooting, designing for scale and performance, working in the cloud, and exploring all the new features of the latest versions of Azure Data and Microsoft SQL Server. And if you still have questions by the end of the week, join the conference's closing session and be part of the Data Q&A show on Run As Radio. The Azure Data Conference is at the MGM Grand Hotel in Las Vegas, Nevada, December 4th to 9th. Use code RUNAS to get a discount on your registration at azuredataconf.com, and I'll see you there. And we're back. It's Run As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Stephen Rose talking a bit about Microsoft Loop and this you know, modern way to uh, to collaborate and to take the old behaviors we've always had that typically make copies of files and make sure that those things are up to date and in sync all of the time, if I'm understanding this correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Elements of conversations that need to stay current can be Mm. created and done inside of any of the Microsoft 365 platform tools. And and right away, my concern is permissions, you know, as an IT guy, it's like, who can they share it with? What are they able to share? What are the, what are the restrictions around this? So we do lots of governance conversations around here. So if you are starting to tag for sensitivity, these tools respect those sensitivities and DLP and all of those things. So it's great as if you start typing in social security numbers in there, it's going to go, sorry, you can't do that the same way it would in a chat. And if somebody's not allowed to see information because of DLP rules right. or things along that line, we, they won't be able to be a part of that the same way we would with document sharing. If you think about it, it's like sharing a always active piece of a OneDrive file. Right. Uh, and and it, it leverages the exchange rules, the SharePoint rules, and the OneDrive rules, and the Teams rules. Yeah, no, and I appreciate that. It's like you haven't reinvented anything. What you've really done is put a UI over this capability we've had for some time that I think most people struggle to use. Yeah, I think the, the only thing we don't do is versioning, but versioning is something that should be done in Word or something like that because you need to be able to track all of those and be able to bring that in. And this is different. This is more fluid agendas and information and things like that, that you're going to want in bite-sized pieces, uh, not in necessarily in the aggregate. So it's a little bit different on that level. I mean, I am concerned about if there's some, 
really great ideas, great work happening in pages. Is that backed up somewhere? Like, how is that stuff protected? Um, it is in OneDrive, but unlike, um, you know, documents or things like that where we do versioning control, there is no versioning control in this. So right. I could delete stuff over what somebody else is doing, and I would only see the, the latest version of that. There is a quick undo that I can do like I can with any document, but there's no way to, to go beyond that. So it is limited in the situations you would want to use it. Uh, it is being governed, but anything where you're going to want versioning or people collaborating on a you know a large ad campaign, this is great for some of the to-dos and action items, but it's not where you're actually going to write large documents that sure. should still be done in the proper platform and manage that way and govern that way. Yeah, and I, I guess they, that's an interesting aspect of the, you, it's going to you're going to have to poke at people. It's like stop doing this in the loop pages. Make a document here because it protects your work. Right. Exactly. And then also now you're, you have that same level of control over where it's being, where it's being shared, but mm -hmm. the V team that's managing that loop is going to be awesome for, Hey, I'm going to sign this to you. Did you get this done? Where are we at with this? Hey, here's the agenda for today's meeting. If you want to add something, add it here. Here's the percentages of where the project is at and, and each person and what they've done. That's great to be able to see that, to transfer that across multiple media or to have that on a loop page. Uh, where you could see all of that in one place. I mean, this also speaks to maybe the more sophisticated items like like forms and things that could be built here too. I, I do feel like we're struggling with the modern form solution in, in M365 right now. Well, there's forms. There is, um, you know, all the new stuff in SharePoint where we have our to-dos in the new list tool where you can also do calendars. So there's different tools that are going to be good for different things. And a lot of them overlap. It yeah. really comes down to how big is your team, how technical is your team, and what is it that you're working on? You know, if you're building architectural documents or building buildings, then you need a you know project and those sort of things are going to be great. If you're working on an ad campaign with three people or four people, this could be a much better way for you to assign things and kind of get updates and things right rather than having to search through a gigantic chat or to take a look at figures for, hey, we did this ad campaign, what sort of returns have we gotten? Being able to update all those numbers to see where things are at, this could be great. I could see this being huge in an election if you're managing a candidate for sure. what are the numbers here, things changing, where are the ads at, being able to add as you see different things, different quotes, all that coming together and then being brought into a formal process like a Word document where you can grab all that and have all that up to the date, but maybe the numbers on where the candidate's at those are loop pieces, and those are always up to date because the person managing that is always putting that in there. So a combination of those may even come together in things that are going to work differently. But it just creates options, yeah. And that single and that that single pane of glass and that single truth that folks are looking for, rather than having to drag it down in like twenty different ways. Yeah, I'm, I'm running with your your. Uh your campaign idea and saying <laughs> at the same time, I also want to, if we take, if we get a set of surveys for a certain state of affairs with a constituency, and then we have a campaign around that, mm -hmm. you don't want those surveys to update to the latest surveys because historically you want to know, this is what our survey data told us when we took these right. actions. Yes. So there is times when you want latest stuff always appears and the time when you want embedded 
history. Right, history. So, so that's so that you can track it and see exactly. Yeah, and and see that how may make sense is to say here where we were last month, here's where we're at this month. Those right. are static, which is great. And then you have here's where we sit today in comparison so that, yes, you can look at what's trending and where you might have done well or poorly. So having a combination of those, you're absolutely correct, could make great sense and can bring things together. And then again, in that world of email or outlook it's not one or the other it's both in, right for different elements of this yeah they there's the dashboards of today's activities and there's the historical record of yesterday's activities yeah um, both are both are useful and you just got to be organized enough to keep them keep them straight so the fluid flavor has been around for a while but this seems like the first thing i've seen it's very much this is fluid manifest yes i i was um I was sitting with Jeff Keeper a few weeks ago mm -hmm. and uh, we were chatting about this and I'm like, you know, is this really fluid framework 2.0 or the next? He goes, no, this is the natural progression. We had the idea for fluid framework on how we would do this and it's manifested itself through loop. We'll see other aspects of this show up in different areas and in different products. But this is really taking this cool idea that we built kind of for SharePoint and really sort of building it out to this you know, to these pieces that people can use in appropriate places across all these different platforms. And we're going to continue to do that because Teams is a platform. It's not an app. And that's what makes it great is we can create these pieces like Power Apps and Power Platform and Loop and Mesh and all of these other things and drag these into the platform and have a choice on what makes the best sense to communicate what we want to communicate with our audience and gather or share data in a way that is appropriate with sure. that audience. Because when I look at loop workspaces, this looks an awful lot like a SharePoint workspace. Except, yeah, or a whiteboard. Yeah. But they don't have that real-time collaboration element the way loop has. And now we can bring that in and we can drop some of those aspects in and have these live element pieces mixed in with uh, aggregate pieces from other areas that are more point in time. So we can really give a much better perspective on what folks are looking at and how they're leveraging. Do I surface a, a SharePoint project in loop? Does that make sense? Or am I really taking documents from SharePoint and bringing them into a loop workspace? I think it depends on what you're doing and what you're trying to get out of it. Mm. I often find that we'll start, I'll start a chat with four or five people about something that may just be a, uh, a list of things that we're working on for something and then say, okay, I'm going to drop this into a loop workspace and let's start to build this out. Let's drag in our data. Some of it's static data. Some of it is occasionally updating data. Some is live and looking at it that way and then sharing different pieces out with different groups. And it may surface in a SharePoint new space. It right. could surface up inside of a Teams group. It may be inside of a PowerPoint that we're doing for executives. And they say, how old is this data? Go, this data is live in real time. Right. So you may actually see it change as you're staring at it on how many Instagram hits we've had on this or how many views we've had of this or it's whatever that may be. And having those different pieces and not having to refresh it, especially if you're doing something like PowerPoint Live, which yeah. requires refresh, you're going to see that data in real time right there and not have to go through those refresh processes. Yeah. Also, but with a presentation, I want to be certain of my data. Like I now, I'm really careful about how I build the queries to show those numbers, so it doesn't like roll over to a new month. Now all the numbers look tiny. Like it, it is interesting to think in terms of what do you want live when you're making a presentation versus what you want right. to be sure of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, think about it for stock items and things like that in stores where people are building large power apps. 
you could do it this way. I have a power app dump into a loop yeah. and then loop always has the latest stuff and it's just on an email. So we don't have to start getting people to start using a loop app or open up their phone. They just keep that email on their desktop. And whenever they're looking at it, they know exactly what store is what and can search that or spreadsheet along that line. It's interesting. It's yeah. Rather than building an app for that mm-hmm. or you know, going anywhere else, just have it in an email. So that whenever the email opens, it does that. You basically made an email into a kind of app. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah, you're building app elements into it. And then if it gets more complex, then you truly do want to build an app if you're grabbing from multiple data sources. But this is going to be huge for small businesses, for education, things along that line. I can see this really being valuable, uh, yeah. projects, things along that line. I'm curious to see how schools are going to leverage this, too, because I think this could change some of the learning aspects, too. Sure, yeah, just organizing homework and school and and, yeah. and grades and things. like. It's a lot of stuff that would naturally happen there. They, they, that's you, you emphasize this right off the bat, the to-do element of what's mm-hmm. the next thing in line. Each time you look at it, it would be there. Or if you leave it open. Yeah, and assigning that to other people of a group project. Hi, you know, Anna, you now have this. It's now assigned Anna. And the great thing is with the new Outlook, that now shows up. You have that to-do task pane right there. It's showing up in your email. It's showing up on all those different areas. So I get an email saying your to-do is due tomorrow. I see it in the to-do pane of the new Outlook. I see it if I have the to-do app, it's right there inside of Teams as well. So again, do it once, have it show up in multiple places based on how you're doing work and you're not having to change the way you work, but just altering it a tiny bit to get that same level of information. So we're building for different work styles. And that's something that I think we've said for a long time, we want to build this for different work styles and different people. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate that because, you know, how long have we been trying to stop people from using their email as a file store? Right, <laughs> and OneDrive address for business. OneDrive for business addressed that pretty well, but yeah. this is another layer of I'm used to keeping key emails around with the latest stats and things on them, and now the idea that you would just bind that so that it's actually live data is uh, means I don't have to change my behavior, but I and I get better results. Right, exactly, and I think that's that's what we look at. Like I said, we talk about Teams as a platform, so yeah. it's a neat. App. I'm excited to see where loop elements are going to go. I think it's really the first step in multiple things that we'll be talking about at Ignite. We talked about, um, you know, some new things like, you know, shared shared elements and things like that at Build, which also build upon this. So I think that there's a lot of things that we're going to see where we start to see these live elements in static areas that now enhance that or bring that to another level. So I think this is really the beginning. I think it opens up some great opportunities and also for developers as well to build on this platform. Yeah, I was thinking, is there going to be some loop developers made? There is a loop SDK. Mm -hmm. So that is out there. Jira is currently playing with this and trying to figure out how to bring this in. They're already integrated into Teams. So you can take a Teams chat and turn it into a Confluence or Jira cloud ticket or Element, they're already bringing in some of the to-do apps. So they're not just being a plugin, they're actually built into the uh, into the SDK of Teams. So I think we'll see more folks that will take a look at this and some of the newer pieces they're doing and actually build their own elements into it, which is what I would love to see are things like Adobe Sign elements brought yeah. into this and Workday and Salesforce and ServiceNow brought into this uh, as loop elements, really having this real-time dashboard in front of you of all these things that are just important to you, uh, similar to what you do with a Power BI dashboard, but without having to have all that background and all that knowledge about working with SQL and surfacing that up. I think this is going to allow some very 
interesting citizen developer opportunities. I, I don't know that I'm a fan of that term, but I like it when domain experts can per- create their own automations. Or when the person who just is the everyday person been in that job for 12 years goes, oh, hey, if I put these four things together, this is the thing I need to know every single day. So I'm just going to create it in this document and put it here on my desktop. And when I open it, these are the four dials that are important to, to my job. And I can now look at that. Which, yeah, and it's a dashboard. Yeah. You know, you, you're basically creating dashboards without ever calling them dashboards. Right. Well. But I I also appreciate the idea that this could become an ecosystem, that there could be components from all sorts of sources that would work together on this. Yes. Yeah. Like I said, this is really just the beginning. So we encourage people, if you have teams, to go take a look at Loop and find a friend at work and say, hey, I want to try this out and start to play with it. I did a demo on this to our employees, and I'm starting to get more and more little Loop pieces. People are like, oh, this isn't just a gimmicky thing. This is actually useful, and this is actually pretty cool, and I want to start to use it. And when it starts to show up in emails, which the general public will be able to start seeing that in the preview builds in the next few weeks, we've been doing that internally. That's where you really start to see the power of it. And then when we see this integrated into other apps that we'll see later on this year, it's going to open up some really interesting stuff. And I'm excited to see um, what we have to show at Ignite for folks. What's going to happen when I email this to someone outside of the tenant or outside of the privilege box? Is it going to just show the last set? Of- um, it'll either not be allowed based on your privileges, or it'll just be a static piece where they won't get any updates or see pieces within it, or it won't show up at all. It'll say, this is a loop. In the future, what will happen, I'll say, this is a loop element. And they'll click on a link, which will take them to a loop workspace, and either they'll either have rights or not have rights. Right. So it'll just say loop element with a link. They won't see everything below it. They click it and either it'll say, great, here's the page with all the loop elements and they can see it or it'll go, sorry, you don't have permission. Yeah. Same. It's the same as putting a OneDrive link. In. Yeah, sure. Because I do feel like it's going to be a challenge for folks who do need to communicate with people outside to say, is this going to show up for these guys or do I have right. to somehow cut and paste it so it's no longer a loop element so I can at least send them the static set of data? Right. But if they are connected through Teams Connect or Azure B2B or any one of those, then they're going to be able to. If not, they're not right. going to be able to see anything else that you're doing. No. And then that get, that makes you go, hi, I need this person to be able to see it and for IT to go, okay, we need to either extend our network to or not or do those things because it's going to be the same if you're trying to share SharePoint sites sure. or OneDrive files. I mean, the thing is, if they're in a team, then you're probably okay and you'll be able to do it with them because they have some aspect of rights. So it goes back to the same thing as if you're going to share any other elements, do they have rights to it or not? So it's going to work the same way. Because Teams definitely bangs around on this aspect of who's inside your team, who's outside your team, right? Right. Because we can definitely make calls outside of the team and we have a mechanism for that. But there's also more capabilities when you're within. This is the continues right. to be the challenge of a good identity solution for all of this. But right. If and the, shared channels. Teams Connect yeah. is the key of this to make it easier to be able to do that and to say, I've got a team, but I'm going to create a private sandboxed area inside that team that only these folks can work with and only we can share data and that is managed and regulated around that. Yeah. No, and, and, and what's interesting here is what Loop's really done is gotten into DLP by default. Mm-hmm. Right. By making all this stuff yeah. live and so forth, meaning that every time you're opening anything, there's an authentication step, which for the most part is right. going to be totally transparent. But it's also going to encourage us 
in IT to get more serious about building out those guest roles and limited privileges and so forth yes. so that we can have externals have partial access right. and can keep everybody being productive and, and working on the right sets of data. It's going to be as clear as when you try to share a file that says this person is not in your org and yeah. you can't share the file with them. It's right. as clear as that. And that's it's just another piece of that exact same story and that same authentication process. Yeah, and 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 it speaks to we're still struggling to do identity right. Yes. Like there's still for every every organization I know of has some kind of identity problem somewhere. And they they're not all the same, but they're always there. And so if we start seeing real functionality based on straightening out identity, it'll give us some incentive to do it. Cuz right now there's not a lot of incentive to fix this stuff. No, there isn't. And folks who have gone to MFA have seen this and we've continually, um, you know, have changed how we do it and how we're bringing it together with single sign on. But yeah. there isn't a good one size fits all. As soon as you are mixing and matching ecosystems, that's where things oh, yeah. start to get very, very funky, um, to say the least. But you and I have had that conversation and yeah, it's it, oh. it's getting better, but it's never where it needs it's, to be. It's a, I appreciate that it's evolving, right? That it's not a static, we can't fix this. New things are happening all the time in the identity space. They are feeling around, it seems like, for the perfect answer. Because everybody's need is a little bit different. There hasn't been one perfect answer yet. No, there has not been. And that's why, you know, doing things like shared channels, leveraging Azure B2B is great. But yeah. then what happens if this person's all on Google and they're over here and they're using this Zoom oh, yeah. piece and that? And that's where things start to get funky. But I also worry about IT. Every time I chat with an IT administrator, they're like, yeah, we're using all the best of breed. I just, all I can think of is there's like 30 different admin centers and dashboards and things that you're looking at. How do you have any time to be proactive? Because just looking at all that and trying to look for trends to be, you know, appropriately reactive has got to be exhausting. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, when, when does, when does, when did best of breed become fragmented? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're using Okta for this and that. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's just and not that everybody should go all Microsoft or any any single thing. But there is a point where you start to lose that. Oh, I can see this and I can see trends happening and I can understand this and that as every piece of software reports it differently. And then you're getting management software on top of that. That's then exporting all this and bringing this into a new platform. But now you have more software that you're sharing information with and that you're dealing with security issues and all of that. So it seems to be a, a dog chasing its tail at times as I take a look at this. So yeah. I think more singular solutions that are more open. And I think, you know, more SDKs need to open that up. I think that's something we're doing a better job of doing both on our Linux side of the house and in our uh, platform side of the house is opening up the SDK for people to take advantage of it. But I'd like to see more standardization of what security means across all the different platforms and a little more interop, I think would be great. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a little while till we see how this actually emerges because there's more possibilities here. It's, it's cool. It'll be interesting to see how different orgs take advantage of it and take it to different places. Agreed. Agreed. Fun stuff you're working on, Steven. You always come with the cool stuff. I try to. It's uh, it makes for good demos, which is what people like to see in the front of the room. Oh sure. Hey, let me show you something cool that can change the way that you think. I did this at Educon a few weeks ago, mm -hmm. and the 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 folks in the room were like, "Oh, we have this!" And then they started selling loops, and for the next three days, people were like, "This is the coolest thing." We're not quite sure how we're going to use it yet, but it's awesome, and we like it. And I'm like, "Great, that that's a good place to start." Is hey, how could this help us, and how could we look at it? But 
it's been in their on their platform for a month and they didn't even know it. And that's the thing I get is people are like, what's coming in Teams? And I'm like, I guarantee you, if I showed you our what's new in Teams uh, blog post that we do at the beginning of every month, you probably don't know half the features in there because we've released so much stuff. So take a look at what we have before you start asking what's next. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and definitely from an IT perspective, it's like, I'm going to need you to run, let them run off the chain a little bit uh, to see where this goes before we start slamming some governance around it. That, that'll be a later ver- later run as. It's like governance on loop because eventually we'll need it. But Governance on loop. Yes. And mesh and all those other things oh, sure, sure. On, on all those different platforms. So it's going to get interesting. Yeah. What, what, what was, uh, what did you see at build that excited you this year? Oh, well, you know, I spent most of my time in the dev space. So we were, we were mowing our brains out for better or worse. Like I'm, I'm very focused on what's coming. They, this energy around new client development, you know, from an IT perspective, there's lots of pressure now for, for more client apps, not just web apps. That folks have kind of run the limit on the, what they get from the web app and they want more. And so we're getting pressure on the client app. So looking at unified client stacks has been a big deal. You know, awesome. Table stakes is phones and tablets and PCs. And most dev teams are really struggling to deliver that. Agreed. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what's next as we look at, you know, more touchdown rooms and unified communication spaces. But I love the fact now I can walk in with my phone and throw up a PowerPoint from my phone onto a Teams room or be yeah. able to do that and be able to control more and more of those aspects. And I think people are going, I want to be able to have a better level of control with these handheld devices and what I can do with them and the types of work I can do with them. And it could be different from what I do on my on my laptop. I don't ne- necessarily need to duplicate what I'm doing on my phone. I want to have additional or different functionality where both of these become my toolkit to build the experience that I need in different areas. So I think it's interesting to see how that's going to come together. There's definitely a stratum there of certain classes of work where I want a big screen and certain classes of work where the phone's just fine. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if I could just learn how to type like a 17 or 18 year old on my phone, then I could get more work done on that than I could on my laptop, but I'm just not that proficient yet. Yeah. I don't think that's happening. <laughs> not anytime soon. I don't think we're that agile anymore. <laughs> <laughs> my, my fingers are just not that precise. No. And the screen is now too small for me. So that doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. There's that too. Lots of scaling going on. Uh, thanks for coming back for the 19th time there, Stephen. I look forward to my 20th when we get special jackets. So I will look for that. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's, or it's a free sub sandwich. One of those. I'm not sure which one. I'll have to look it up. I'll, I'll, I'll be happy with just some Tim Hortons. So I'm good with that. <laughs> That's true. All right. Thanks again. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio. <laughs>